When I sing a song about 10,000 reasons to be thankful for this morning, I mean it. And I and I, here's my challenge for some of y'all. I don't know who this is for. I'm going to do what Spirit, Spirit says. Um, some of us in this room today might be struggling on, man, I'm not worthy to be in this place and to worship a God that... Um, you know, that can see my dirt and my shame and my brokenness. But I, I love the fact that he sees all that and he still loves us. And he still loves us. So this this song I want to sing, it's just I hope it touches somebody's heart this morning. I know it's going to touch mine because God laid it on my heart to sing it. But it's called Death Was Arrested. Alone in my sorrows and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way and let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Now ash was redeemed on the Orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet and my feet rose to death. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace, so free. Is over me. You have made me do now. Life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made me do. chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom you faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his displayed on a criminal's cross 
darkness rejoices, oh heaven had lost. No, 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 no. Then Jesus rose with our freedom in hell. When death was arrested in my life began. When death was arrested in my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new now. Your endless love pouring down on earth. You have made me new now. Life begins with you. Oh, we're free, free forever. We're free. Come join with the song of overreach.
children's ministry that we're trying to gear up for. And I'm telling you, man, we can't do anything without us laying our hearts before the Lord. And uh, that's why I kind of wanted to start with that challenge, man. you got to understand that death was arrested. It doesn't matter what you've carried, what you've brought. I, man, I, there were so many times in my own life I was a, a freshman in college and being called into ministry and the words that came out of my mouth was, God, you can't use you can't use this brokenness. You can't use, you don't understand the dirt that I carry, the things that I've done. But he says this, you know, if you give us, if you give me all your brokenness, all your pieces, all your dirt, all your mess ups, I'm going to use you for my glory. Because that's what I do. I take brokenness and I make it beautiful. So I just want to encourage you guys this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know anybody's business. All I know is I've got to do what God's called me to do. So I think our challenge, no matter what it is in life, there's a come a moment whenever I found myself needing a savior and needing needing a provider, and but it starts with a, a moment of surrender, and it's that's what the heart thing's all about. So when we sing that out, because I am found, I am yours, I am loved. I am pure, you make me pure. I have life and I can breathe. I am healed, I am free. Cause you are strong, you are sure, you are life. You endure, and you are good, always true, and you are light, breaking through, is my whole Lord, all the brokenness. Dirtiness, Lord, is my 
I've changed He's my whole Lord He's my whole Lord Take it all He's my whole Lord Speak what is true That's our cry, speak what is true. Amen. Um, I'm going to transition here just a minute, but before I have my daughter come up here, Isabella, um, come on, you can come on, come on. Um, see if I can get through this without crying. Probably not. I'm a big teddy bear and I'm sweats rolling. I, we're having church today, just so you know. Um, but when, when Brother Bill asked me to kind of share, man, I, I'm so thankful that when we think about leadership and, and, and loving on children, okay? Man, I, I look at my own life starting there first. I had a Mimi Jones, my, my Mimi, that taught my Sunday school class for years. You know, and she hit she hid the word of God, poured the word of God. I, I tease I, everywhere I speak. I'm, I had a drug problem growing up. I was drug in, drug out. Every time the church doors open, because I knew I had loving people in my life. Now, that was that was family for me. But I had many other people that just have have spoke into my life, and I wouldn't have the words of God, the power of that word in my life if it wasn't for the fact that I heard a quote by Sir Edmund Burke that said that the only thing evil, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And, and I, I'm thankful that there were good men and women in my life that, that refused to do nothing. Uh, they, 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 from day one, you know, 16-year-old boy that saw this pregnant woman that he didn't know in the back alley of a grocery store and said, I'm going to do something, takes him home. Hey, surprise, who is this? You know, and his family says, okay, I'm going to care. I'm going to care for, for this woman and the baby. That, that was me. The baby was me. You know, and then I think about Mimi, and I think about all the Sunday school teachers and the leaders and all the, you know, just people that have invested in my life, even Brother Bills, the pastors that we just feed off each other, right, and encourage each other in accountability. And then it, it leads me to this young lady right here, and I've got three beautiful daughters, my wife Rachel and I have, Isabella, Eliana, and Cadence. And uh, Is Isabella and Ellie have come to know the Lord already. I'm so thankful for that. They, they, it's not just a name that they know, but it's a rela relationship that they have with a Savior. You got to baptize them in the Tennessee River over near McFarland Park. You know what I'm saying? It'll always be a treasured place for us. But Isabella came to me one day, and, and I, well, I'm gonna say, I struggle sometimes with evangelism ministry and being on the road and doing things because that's what we do, 56 ministry events last year. And I struggle with, well, you know, are my kids part of a CIA or a WANA, that type of thing? And I just want to challenge you with something because all of that is wonderful, and I'm thankful we have that. But it's really what we're talking about is building relationship. And, you know, and I'm thankful that people invested in my life to know what a father looks like. And I, and I challenge myself. I want to be the type of dad that, that walks with the Lord and reflects that in my own life to where these young ladies, right, they, they see that. But I struggle sometimes. You know, we can't be a part of all these things. And I had a woman come up to me and say, Stephenson, I just want you to, I want to tell you something. I looked over at this young lady that you call your daughter, and she, her eyes are glued on you. And she said, I know that, and I, she didn't know this, but God spoke through her. She said, I know, I, don't, I think you're struggling sometimes with, you know, whether they're being fed the way they need to, but you living, having a relationship with them and living Christ out in front of them, they're seeing it. 
and they're believing it. So my challenge, I guess, that I want to leave, brother, is be that. It don't have to be your child, that you, your blood, but there is a child that needs somebody to show them Christ. Amen. And, it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, yes, opening the word of God because it's powerful. The, it, you know, saying it, the Bible is more than a textbook. Mm-hmm. It's the best textbook a child would ever read. Amen. Y'all get that? I, stu- I stumbled over it. But here's what Isabella came to me. I know I've been talking a lot, baby, but I'm good at that, you know. But uh, she came to me one day and said, Daddy, you don't have a song that you've really written. I've written six and recorded them in Nashville. I was just up there yesterday finishing up. And, uh, and this song that we're going to sing for you, she came to me and said, Daddy, you don't have a song about your life. Let's, let's write one. So, you know, you were eight at the time. She's nine now, about to be ten uh, soon. And uh, this song right here is going to be the, the single that drops on the record. It's, it's probably going to be one of the, hopefully, that God blesses people with. This song is called I Know. You gave me life when I had no chance. You gave me hope despite my circumstance. You gave me peace when I was on my knees, desperately searching. Searching for an answer to heal my broken heart To take away all my scars And I know that you will always be with me And I know that you will stand by my side And I know that you will love me until the end of time
she gave me hope Despite my circumstance, she gave me peace When I was on my knees Desperately Searching As Stevenson mentioned, uh, he is doing a CD, and I'm sure that once those get or get available, uh, you'll have your opportunity to, to get some of those CDs. It's going to be a wonderful blessing. Uh, excited for you, Stevenson. Excited for your family and um, Isabella. That's pretty amazing, girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. Amen. Well, today is our CIA Commitment Sunday. Uh, this church is all about the next generation. But before we begin talking about that, I want to share with you the story of a man whose son totally blew off his entire freshman year in college. The boy finally came home, and his parents told him, if you want to go back to college, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And so the young man worked all summer to get money to go back to college. And as a result, he missed his family vacation. The family took a cruise to Greece that year. But mom sent the boy a postcard and she wrote, Dear son, today we stood on the mountain where ancient Spartan women sacrificed their defective children. We wish you were here. <laughs> An old proverb says, give a pig, give to a pig when it grunts, and a child when he cries, and you'll have a fine pig and a horrible kid. God expects us to raise Christian children, not pigs. Amen. And that's going to take effort, it's going to take perseverance, it's going to take intentionality, it's going to take being deliberate, and it begins with us. Our children, our children are both the greatest challenge we have as Christians, but also our greatest mission field. I read some results from Barna Research recently. Barna Research polls Christian families and Christian children and Christian parents. And in this research, Barna reported that of 8 to 10-year-old students, only 1% of them had a biblical worldview. Of 8 to 10 year olds, only 1% of them viewed the world through this book. And in 10 years, they're going to be in college. Of those same 8 to 10 year old kids, 
Barna Research said that 80% of them, 80% believe that the Quran, the Book of Mormon, and the Holy Bible say the same thing and teach the same thing. Eighty percent of eight to ten-year-olds. What does that say? It says we're not doing a very good job. It says there's a lot of work to do. But you know what? God is on our side. And I believe that in the same way that this trend happened, it can be reversed. But I believe that it begins with us. So how do we fix the problem? How do we respond to the evil forces who are coming against our kids? How do we respond to the evil forces that are keeping our kids from being all that God wants them to be? Do we turn off the TV? <laughs> that might help. Do we take away their phones? That'll go over real well. Do we teach them to mind their manners and mind their mouth? Some of them need it. Do we include them in cheerleading and baseball and soccer and basketball? That's got its benefits. Do we force them to do their homework after school? Do we make sure that they're involved in church? All those things certainly have their benefit but perhaps the greatest way to respond to the challenges that our children face is to give them the gift of ourselves. The best thing you can give to the next generation is you. You see, as believers in Christ, we are all stewards of God's investment in children. We will all, say all. That's right. Every one of us will be held accountable for how we cared for God's investment in children. So that being said, let's read what perhaps the wisest man in the world said about what we can do differently. On page 551 in the Bibles in front of you, in Psalm 127, Solomon writes this in verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak, they shall confront their enemies at the gate. Let us pray.
Father God, we pray that you would speak through your word mightily about how we might reverse this trend in our country and make our children know. Make your children great. Teach us that today in Jesus' name and all God's people said. So these verses tell us five ways, five ways that we can teach our children so that they'll turn out great. And the first way is we need to teach our kids to generate dependence on the Lord. Look in verse 1 again. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. There's a saying that little is much if God's in it. You believe that? Little is much if God is in it. But the reverse is also true. Much is nothing if God's not in it. That's exactly what these verses teach us. Unless our activities here at church are ordered and directed by the Lord, you are wasting your time. Unless everything that we do here is ordered and directed by the Lord, it's a waste of energy. You can set out to do great things on your own. We can even have strong Christian service. But we can even build a church. We can have fantastic amounts of people. We can have phenomenal results. But if the fruit of those efforts doesn't come from the Lord, it's worse than worthless. It's worse than worthless. We must depend on the Lord to build this house. So how does that relate to kids? How does that relate to children? Well, children need to learn how to build the house. They need to learn how to build their temple. 1 Corinthians 6.18, the Bible tells us, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, that you have from God and you're not your own? We need to teach kids that this body they have, this house of God, this temple of God that they have is not their own. And so what do we do? We must teach the children to rely on God to build their temple. Did you hear what Solomon said? Unless the Lord builds the temple, they labor in vain who build it. See, God desires to be involved in every part of the raising process. God wants to be involved in raising our kids. Let us never make the mistake of leaving God out of our lives. Let us never make the mistake of building our, the lives of our kids without God. It's utter failure because a life lived apart from God has no value. It has no value. It's not worth living. And if we build the lives of our children without God, every accomplishment... Every effort is pointless. Why? Because it has no eternal value. We must raise our kids to think of eternity, not just the life that they're living. We must teach them and be examples for them as people who rely on God. We teach them to make God their number one priority. We teach them to make God number one and to let him do the building. 
We've got to teach them to rely on the Lord to build the temple, but also teach them to rely on the Lord to protect the temple. What did Solomon say? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You see, we can't be the kid police. We're not always around our children 24-7. Ultimately, we and our, and our children have to rely on God for protection. Here's the prayer of one small child. He said, Lord, bless my mommy and daddy. And Lord, take care of yourself. Because if anything happens to you, we're sunk. Amen? How true is that? How true is that? So we got to teach our kids to depend on God. But we must also teach our children and remind them to trust in God's care. Look in verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Now don't misunderstand that verse. Because... That verse does not entitle you to sit around sipping sweet tea and sponging off your friends all the time. Amen? What that means is, is that you don't need to be lazy. It's no excuse for, to, for us to be lazy and not to provide for our own needs, not to provide for our family's needs, not to provide for the needs of other people. See, God is not against human effort. God's not against hard work. In fact, Hard work honors God. It honors God. But working so hard, are you hearing me? Working so hard, working so long that you neglect your family, it's probably a cover-up. It's probably a cover-up because you really don't trust God to take care of your needs. So we got to teach our children to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt them in due time, casting all their care upon him because he cares for them. Kids need to know that they can depend on God and trust him to care for them. But I believe that that psalm from Solomon also says we need to encourage our kids to obey God. Look there in verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from who? From the Lord. That's right, from God. So what is a heritage? A heritage basically is personal property. A heritage basically is a possession. A heritage is basically an inheritance. You see, way too often, people view children as a liability and not an asset. But the Bible says that children, our children, are God's property. Our children are God's possession. They are his inheritance. And we are given the wonderful privilege of raising them. We are given the wonderful privilege of blessing them and raising them up in the admonition of the Lord. Friend, our children are not ours. Our children are God's. We are the stewards of God's children. And so we must teach them to obey him because he's daddy. Amen? He's daddy. Now, friends, there are many reasons why people obey. Many reasons why people obey the Lord. One, out of fear. They fear that they got to obey God because they have to. 
Might get struck down by lightning if you don't, right? Another reason is not only fear, but for reward. Oh, if I obey God, then I'll get something. That's another reason why people obey. But the reason we want to encourage children to obey is not out of fear. Not for getting a reward, but because they love God. We want to encourage our children to obey, not merely out of duty or desire to get something from God. We want them to obey God because they understand the lengths that he took to show his love for them. And they, in turn, want to show their love for him as well. Depending on the Lord. Trusting in his care. Obeying the Lord. Those are three ways to teach a child to where they can really be great. But there's another one. Solomon also says, you know what we need to do? We need to affirm their value. Affirm their value to God. Look there in the end of verse 3. The fruit of the womb is a reward. The Bible basically says that our kids are God's reward. His reward. God is the author of creation. No one here is an accident. You are here by design. You are here for great purpose. You are here because God wants to do mighty things through you, in you, for you. And God has given us as parents, given us as spiritual leaders, this reward to care for. People who view children as a distraction, people who view children as a nuisance, should instead view the children as an opportunity to shape the future. Because that's what they are. They're going to be leading our nation. We need to teach children how important they are. We need to teach children how valuable they are in the eyes of God. We need to remind them how much God loves them. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How valuable are children to God? He thinks they're to die for. Amen? But if we're going to make children great, we also have to train them up in the admonition of the Lord. Look again in verse 4. Solomon says, and he makes a great picture here. He says in verse 4, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall confront their enemies at the gate. Like arrows, Solomon said. See, as parents and spiritual leaders, Solomon's comparing you and I to archers, men and women that use a bow and arrow. See, the arrow doesn't shoot itself. If it's shot by a skilled archer, it can fly directly and hit exactly where we aim it. Problem is, we do a real poor job of aiming the arrow. 
Are we aiming our children toward a godly life? Friend, are we aiming our kids to understand the values of God? Are we making straight arrows that will fly directly to the bullseye? You see, there's three facts about arrows that you need to know. One, to be effective, arrows must be properly shaped. To fly right, sometimes some things need to be removed from their life. To be effective, arrows must also be properly sharpened. When we teach them the word of God, that sharpens their life and enables them to hit the target that they're aimed for. But to be effective, arrows must also be shot. At some point or another, you're going to have to let that arrow fly. Proverbs 22, verse 6 tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will return to it. How do we do that, Bill? Sounds like a tall order trying to make our children great. Well, I think we ought to follow the advice of Albert Schweitzer. Albert Schweitzer said, there are only three ways to teach a child. By example. Second one's kind of like it. By example. And the third one's a lot like that one. By example. Are you hearing me? And of course, practically speaking, yes, we do that by example, but we also do that by biblical teaching. I submit to you this morning that if we want to make great kids, and I know you all do, that we need to generate dependence on the Lord. We need to remind them to trust in God's care. We need to encourage them to obey God. We need to affirm their value to God and train them up in the admonition of the Lord. And there's just one more. And this is the part where you veer off. Because here's another way we can make our kids great. And that is by making an active commitment to God to be involved. Stay involved. Make an active commitment to be involved in the life of today's youth. I want to make great children. I want to make godly children. That's the high and holy calling of God. Here at Bethel Baptist, we have a ministry. nights were for prayer meetings. We'd gather a few adults together and we'd pray together and I believe in power prayer. But it got to where there just wasn't much involvement. And so what did we do? We said, why don't we just change things a little bit? Why don't we just make Wednesday all about children and youth? Instantly came from six or seven to 30. 
Speak what is true. 